Wow, the book of James in the word of God says, pure and undefiled religion is to take care of widows and orphans and keep yourself unstained by this world. There are a lot of problems that we can fix if we'll come together and have the heart of God. Who's excited to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on. <clears throat> Was that video not incredible of that Marine coming home last weekend? Wow, that was just off the chart. I've seen it a bunch of times. It gets me every time I watch it. Last weekend, Pastor Zach preached an incredible message about beginning with the end in mind. And in every area of our lives, if we will start with the end, it's going to be better. When you get in the car, you know where you're going. When you go on vacation, you know where you're going. It's just better in every aspect. So if you missed last weekend, whether you're a parent or not, it's an incredible weekend to go back and check and see how we can mark other people, how we can make a difference, how we can see our homes in a place of peace and purpose in God's presence. And so it is, it's imperative that we get it. But last weekend, it was a moment where Jordy and JL were in two, two of our staff kids were in spotlight and the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, which is at the great white throne of judgment, were spoken. And, and it, it's in the book of Matthew. We're gonna go there in a few minutes if you wanna turn there. Uh, but we've gotta begin thinking as we raise our kids. Listen, helping them score more touchdowns or make more A's does not necessarily set them up for life. Discipling them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind will put them on the path because God's favor is a force in his people. Amen? And so it's incredible that not just for our kids, but, but, but beginning with the end in mind helps. It's just critical as our calling as Christ followers to know where we're going. As spiritual mothers and fathers, we are, already, we are already marked right now to make a difference. In our theme verse in this series out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, I do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed, marked for the day of redemption. We are sealed for service. So in the last three weekends, we've been on a journey called Family-ish, and and we're talking about how to make room for God in your heart and in your home. Shouldn't our homes be a place of peace and purpose? Shouldn't they? We know the devil's launched an attack, but we should, we've got the weapons to overcome. So one of the truths we want you to wrap your heart around this weekend is making room for God in your life and in your home should actually help other people belong. Because we don't live in an island to ourselves, so there's people in and out of your home, in and out of your life. Maybe this weekend you're, you're curious about God or you're new to faith. We're super stoked you're with us. Maybe you're still not sure about the church in general. I get it. I got it. We're thrilled you're here. No matter how you grew up, no matter what your family was like or is like, I'm telling you through the Word of God, you can have peace and purpose in your home regardless of what today looks like. It is the will of God. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. So welcome, Faith Promise. All of our campuses, we're super stoked you're with us. Man, all of you that are, that are in person, if you're online and you're on the beach, 
somewhere having vacation, we're bitter. We're just gonna go ahead and tell you right now, we're here on Memorial Day weekend worshiping God. Go ahead, have fun on the beach. I hope you get sand fleas. So, I'm just kidding. Come back rested, man. Come back excited. Now, the rest of us who are gonna go on vacation this summer, man, take your Faith Promise family with you. Think of this. 52 weekends a year, that means 52 30-minute sermons, that's 26 hours. That's one day out of 365. So how many of those can you miss? I wanna challenge you to take us with you and whether you're in a condo or Airbnb, wherever, and plug it in and the family just worship together. Also, one of the things that I think helps us the most is our prayer gatherings on the first Saturday of the month. That's at nine o'clock at all of our campuses. It's live and online. Want to challenge you to, to connect as we put God first, as we make room for him, as we ask God to use us, as we ask God for his favor. This year is finding God's favor. That's our theme. And we believe the scripture is clear that God's favor is already at work. It's already there. The question is, are you actively seeking his favor or are you just hoping and fall in your lap. Our theme verse, Psalm 90, verse 17, may the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, can confirm for us the work of our hands, yes, confirm the work of our hands. So all that are in favor, say ah. Come on, man, God's favor is a force and I love it. It's already at work, we've just got to see it. And one of the ways I wanna challenge, you've heard about it a ton, but we just keep reminding you, last weekend our student pastors and our kids pastors uh, did part of the message at all of our campuses. And, and can I tell you, they will not stand accountable for your children. They are your children. And you'll be held accountable for how you raise and disciple them. So we partner with you. Summer fun and movement are two ways that we try to connect families and keep them they're preventative ways to keep your family engaged spiritually. Now, preventative is the work for the weekend. In all my years of ministry, I've noticed something about believers and non-believers alike. We love intervention over prevention. So what's the difference? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. Remember the Gatlinburg fires or maybe my mom's whose house burned down last year or maybe a neighbor, but some, somebody's house burns, we leap into action. We get people over there, we help clean, we bring them water, we give them gift cards because they don't have any clothes. We, we, we're, we move in, we try to make sure they have a place to stay. That is intervention and it is, feels good, doesn't it? It's sexy, you're making a difference, everybody loves it. Come on, are y'all with me? We all feel good about it. Prevention is not nearly as easy as, as intervention. It's not as sexy, it's not as rewarding. So what is prevention? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Prevention is buying smoke detectors for your neighbor before their house burns. It's, it's training the kids and the family to have a fire evacuation plan. It's actually making sure they have fire insurance. It is making sure that it's going to the house looking for fire hazards. Nobody wants to sign up for that. That's not cool, that's not sexy, that doesn't make me feel good. But prevention has a far greater impact than intervention because prevention, your neighbor's house never burned. 
They didn't lose everything. Their lives weren't completely just altered. Think about your, your health, your body. 10 out of 10 doctors agree, and doctors don't agree on anything. But 10 out of 10 doctors would agree that preventative health, like exercise and diet and, and eating good and taking care of yourself and getting good rest, is better than waiting till you're sick and then going to the doctor. Are you with me? Everybody agrees with that. So, so prevention is better than intervention, but, but we say around here, we're raw and real, so we're about to get more raw and more real. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. So let me ask you, let me think. Let me think with me. All the recent shootings in East Knoxville and Austin East, we had families at Faith Promise that got together prayer walks and gatherings and and man, the whole community flooded together. They came with donations and what can we do to help? And you know what? Everybody had all the best intentions in intervention. Nothing wrong with that. We should do that, amen? Let me ask you a hard question. Where were we before the shootings at Austin East? Where were we before? Come on, somebody. And you say, but... Well, we didn't know there was going to be shootings. No, actually, we did know. I have a kingdom leader in Knoxville who will remain nameless because this will get some people in serious trouble. Went to some of the leaders in Knoxville and said, hey, we're about to ratchet up the gun violence in a high school in Knoxville. It's about to happen. And the political leaders looked like he had an eye in his forehead, a third eye, because they didn't know anything about prevention. We're just going to wait till students get killed, and then we're going to move in for intervention. See what the difference? Are y'all with me? So where were we before your neighbors got a divorce? Where were we before a family and friend fell into addiction that ruined another life? Where were we before children or women were forced into the sex trafficking industry? Hey, guys, ladies, our God behind bars, where were we before you found yourself, before a judge and incarcerated? Where was somebody to love you before you took a trek down the wrong road? Where were we before a man or woman found themselves living under an overpass, under an overpass in the I, in the 640 corridor? See, this is intervention we love. Prevention is what we need to do. You say, but pastor, life's complicated. It's hard. And I agree. I agree. So what, what can we as faith promise? What can we do? What can I do? What can we do in prevention? There's so many people. There's so many problems. What can we do? How can we possibly make a difference? So if you're new, you're not going to remember this. But last February or February a year ago, 2020, about 10,000 of us promisers gathered downtown for the 25th anniversary. Y'all remember that? It was incredible. First time Faith Promise has seen Faith Promise. We had to have two services, but it was incredible. And we celebrated 25 years. And then I took some time to set the vision for the next 25 years. And I laid out some initiatives that I think this congregation, this love movement can make a difference in. And one of them was this. No child without a family. No child without a family. Come on. That's something we ought to be able to get behind. Because Jesus said, love the least of these, 
And there is no more least of these than children that are unwanted or stuck somewhere in a system. So let's just ask God into this conversation. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus in a tough topic to tackle, very emotional, very difficult for people who have been all around this issue. And so God, what we need is clear guidance. We need clear orders from headquarters. And I believe you've been very clear. A lot of times we've been remiss. I'm so sorry, God, that I've never preached a sermon like this. How in the world did I get here? And I just ask you to forgive me. God, help us as a family to not live in the past, but move into the future with your vision for us is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, given at any moment in the state of Tennessee, there are about 8,000 children in the foster system without a permanent family. The number is growing daily. Do you know why? Drugs and alcohol, opioids and heroin, because people have fallen into the trap of sin and they lose their children because they pick a drug or alcohol over being a parent. Are you with me? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. It's just where it is. We're raw and real here. We don't sugarcoat it. We just don't sugarcoat it. And so fostering those children is one of the only options that those kids have. Now, the primary goal of fostering kids is not adoption. A lot of us may be confused on that. It's actually providing a home until a permanent home can be found where those children can belong, possibly back with their parents. If their parents have done something that put those children in danger, that those, those parents repent and get help, and then they're able to put back in their in their, uh, in their homes. But intervention is just too big for intervention. We've got to move to prevention. Now think of those 8,000 kids. 8,000 kids. 1,000 of them age out of the system every year. Now let me ask you, parents, if you've had an 18-year-old living with you, I'm so sorry, young adults, this is my hurt feelings, but let me ask. If you've got an 18-year-old living with you, are they adult enough to go live on their own and make all the decisions they need to make? Excuse me, absolutely not. My, my, my two boys didn't have a brain when they were 18. Daughter was a little sharper, but... So of the 1,000 children, 1,000 young adults that'll age out this year in the state of Tennessee, 500, half of them will not graduate high school. 250 will be in trouble with the law. 66% of the girls will be pregnant before they are 21 years of age. 200 will be homeless, 25% will struggle with mental health issues and will turn to alcohol and drugs. And all thousand are more likely to become victims of human trafficking and sexual abuse. Wow. So now, come on, I want you to really, because this is really us diving into the discussion late in the game, but we're diving in anyway. What if you could do something about human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, suicide, and mass incarceration all at the same time. We can. We can do something if we will take care of children that don't have families, children without a place to belong. So would you do something? Because I believe we can. Amen, I believe we can. Jeremiah speaking in a wicked day in Israel says this in chapter five. Roam to and fro throughout the streets of Jerusalem. And look now, take note, and seek in her open squares if you can find a man. 
If there is one who does justice, who speaks truth, then I'll pardon her. I'll pardon the people if you can give me one righteous man. Verse 28, they are fat, they are sleek, they also excel in deeds of wickedness. We've gotten very good in America at deeds of wickedness, haven't we? We've just got professional. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the orphan, that they may prosper. They do not defend the rights of the poor. Shall I not punish these people, declares the Lord on a nation such as this? Shall I not avenge myself? Because they're living, live, living so contrary to the will of God. Now, the most at-risk group in the state of Tennessee, bar none, is the unborn. Are you with me? No recourse, no help. That's the, the second most at-risk group are children without families. And they need somebody that's gonna help them find a place to belong, not just another intervention. We need to make room in our lives and our homes for prevention. I'm not asking everybody to adopt. I'm not asking everybody to foster. This is what I believe. I believe that we face some problems in our society that are solvable if we work together. The problem is we hate each other so much in America today we can't work together. Churches fight churches, whites fight blacks, rich fight poor, uneducated fight the educated, the left coast fights the right coast. We're so divided that we can't deal with an issue. Are y'all with me? That's why I quit listening to the news because they make me hate other people. I can't do anything about it. It's rarely true. I don't care if you're a CNN worshiper or a Fox worshiper. Are you with me? Yeah. Or right, come on. So for four years, we listened to Donald Trump was a demon from hell from CNN, and we're going to get four more of Fox that President Biden is a demon from hell. I'm just choosing. I'm, a, I'm opting out of that. I'm just opting out. Because there are problems that we can solve if we can get together. And so at Promisers, we've got families who have adopted or are adopting, incredible. We've got families that are fostering, incredible. And one of the ways that we wanna help our current foster families, we wanna help our current foster families find a group so they can be supported. Now there's a family that our North Knoxville campus, the Wheats, Daryl is uh, Knox County Sheriff's Deputy, has been for a long time. They've fostered about 15 kids. They adopted eight of those kids. We told the story of Ebony uh, at our 20th celebration. Ebony was at Beaumont Elementary and we were back then trying to connect with elementary schools to help kids read because if you can't read by the time you're in third grade, they build another prison cell because that's where you're going. So we began to raise about 50, 75 people that would go over to Beaumont Elementary and mentor a kid once a week and Daryl's wife went over there and she got paired with Ebony. Ebony's mother was already deceased and then her father was murdered. And so, and so Daryl's wife went home and said, hey, there's a little girl at Bow Mile Elementary, doesn't have a mommy, doesn't have a daddy, we're gonna be her family and they adopted her. Ebony is a godly young woman. She is not a statistic she is a victor. She is not a victim. She's an overcomer. Incredible. We got staff families that are fostering. Uh, I know at our Farragut campus, Daniel and Sarah took in six 
children, six. I can barely handle Michelle's three. They took in six <laughs> kids. Way to go, Daniel, way to go, man. Come on, great job. So do me a favor, because we want to learn how to support you. Again, I'm beginning the discussion. We're not finishing, we're beginning with the end in mind. So if you have, or ever or you are now currently fostering at every campus, would you stand? Just go ahead and stand where you are. Just go ahead and stand. Go ahead. I got you. Go ahead. Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Now, here's the deal. Go ahead and stay standing because we're going to pray for you, but there's a QR code coming up. We just want to know who you are. So, Father, we pray for those that are standing at every campus who have opened their home up their homes to children who are struggling, who are lost, lonely, and left out, who are experiencing rejection at a level no one should ever. And God, would you bless these folks in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, so there's a QR code on the screen. If you are currently fostering, do me a favor, get your phone out. This QR code is gonna come up again and again because we're now just beginning. If you're fostering, Take your phone out, hit your photo, hit your camera app, zoom in. There's a three-question survey. We're just, we just wanna know. We wanna help you find a group and we wanna come alongside you to pray for you and help you. Amen? So we wanna be there. So come on. Uh, maybe you're feeling called uh, to foster. Maybe you're feeling called to adopt. Maybe you can't do that. I got that. I got that. Maybe it's not a stage in life for you. Then what you can do is what's called RAP a foster family. It means you adopt a foster family and you wrap them up in prayer. Can we not provide prayer coverage for those folks that are taking the least, the last, the lonely? Come on, somebody. And so just go ahead and again, hit the QR code, sign up, say, I can pray. I can do that. I can pray for a family. Come on. 8,000 kids who are experiencing the worst day of their life where they need to find a place to belong while, while adults are sorting out their future. Are you with me? DCS or some judge, we can make a difference. One of the reasons that foster families burn out is because they have no support. We are gonna do what Jesus said, bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Are you with me? So, you, so the rest of us, hit the QR code, let's go ahead and, 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 and fill it out. I can pray, I can support, I can be a rat family student. You say, I can't do anything. You know what, you can babysit. Daniel and Sarah Warren, who are, again, the, the campus pastors at our Farragut campus, come on, you could go babysit and let them have a night out. Are you with me? Yeah. This is just helping each other. It's just, we can do something if we just will. <clears throat> we can all make room and bring belonging to foster kids. So that, again, it's on the screen. Uh, we're, we're just beginning the dialogue. Are you, are you with me? We're just starting to try, try to figure this out. Pastor Kyle and others, our group's ministry and others, we're, we're building the base so that we can do it. Because listen, if we are about real people with real problems, and who's more real people with real problems than a child with no place to go? Showing them the real love of Jesus. Then what are we doing? Matthew 25, difficult passage of Scripture. Matthew 24 and 25, it's the end times, the, when Jesus is coming back and the judgment seat of Christ 
And Jesus says in verse 31 of 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. Everybody that has ever lived, the dead will give up the dead, the sea will give up her dead, the grave will give up its dead. Everybody that's ever lived will stand right here before the great white throne of judgment. All the nations will be gathered. And he will separate from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on, our, on his right, come you who are blessed to my father, inherit the kingdom prepared before you before the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you thirsty? He give you something to drink. A stranger invites you in, naked and clothe you. What are you talking about? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you've done it to me. See, that's what she naturally do. The children of God, people that are born again, naturally serve and care for others. Are you with me? They don't even notice they're doing it. It's just second nature to a sheep. Goats, people that do not know God, <clears throat> the opposite. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. Thirst, you gave me nothing to drink. Stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they themselves will answer, Lord, do we want to see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison, and not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. They will know we are his disciples by the love that we have. And not just loving those that love us back. Lost people do that. Goats love people that love them back. Goats give gift to people that are gonna give them back. We love people. We love people that can't do anything for us in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> so campus pastors, what a gift from God you are to all of our campuses. I wanna invite you guys out because there's some people that need to be adopted into the kingdom of God by our great heavenly father. So guys, go ahead and take it away. All right, it's us, God behind bars, online. Maybe you feel like a spiritual orphan. You're looking for a family to love and love you and take care of your soul. Good news, we serve a father who wants to be your father and wants you to be a part of a spiritual family. He said in Ephesians chapter one that God predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. He said in John 14, Jesus did just a few days ago in our Bible reading plan, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. 
See, the cross and the resurrection, the payment of our sins was so God could adopt us into his family. Not a regular adoption. A small child doesn't have any real say-so. In this adoption, as you want to become a child of God, you have all the say-so. God's opened the door. The question is, will you walk through it? Would you rather live your life as you've lived it? Or would you rather have your sins forgiven, adopted by the Father, given a purpose, given peace and favor that the world can only hope? Then God's open for business. Anybody thrilled? Come on, church. So I'm gonna lead us in a simple prayer. We're gonna pray this prayer out loud with you, even though many of us have already begun a relationship with God. We love him. I did almost 40 years ago. Hadn't gotten over it yet. It's incredible. If you're ready, we're gonna pray with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, come on, let's pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for wanting me, for dying for me, coming out of the grave. I repent of my old life. I put my faith in you. Save me. I ask for the gift of salvation, forgiveness, and adoption. Show me how to care for those around me.